Thanks for joining us for our conversation this week. I'm Amy Tokas, co-host with Sandy Lane. This podcast, we have a guest, Heather Noggle, who shares some cautions about AI. She gives us some great advice on how we can protect ourselves, number one being multi-factor authentication. She helps us find a balance between fear and vigilance when it comes to cybersecurity. Always keeping it real. Thanks for listening to Your Real, Your Ideal. Enjoy the conversation. Well, hello, Sandy. Amy, hello. How are you doing today? I'm very excited because we have a guest and there's three on our Zoom screen. I know. So today we have Heather joining us. Heather, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. I am Heather Noggle, and I work with people and organizations on building better human cybersecurity. Nice. So Sandy and I have been talking a lot this season, a lot. I I feel like it's been coming up. It's been a thread (laughs) for a lot of our conversations about all this AI stuff. And we kind Mm. of did a little sampling of AI, um, AI. Yeah. Sandy, do you want to share? Like we did photos. And we've talked a lot about AI and I tell you it's AI 101, trying to understand it. And probably more so from the standpoint of its usefulness in our daily lives and it's understanding its potential trickery. But I love the, you know, now we're throwing in cybersecurity and we're throwing in some other, I guess, those things of what to look out for and maybe Amy, we've been playing more and now we want to be better informed and we want our listeners to be better informed and understanding not only its potential, but the risks is that we're we're growing up in our AI knowledge (laughs) and we want Heather for you to help us there. Okay. I like to look at what what you're calling AI is, is generally called generative AI. So it's making images, it's making text for us based on prompts that we give it that say, here's your playing playing field, your sandbox, what have you, go and do this thing for me. And if we do it well, we get something really close to what we want. And if we are too wide open when, you know, make a prompt, it can make something up so incredibly false that that's a risk. So I think a lot of people like to use what we're calling AI. Well, let's just say chat GPT and they use it as a search engine or Google's bar, which is actually connected to the internet. And if we do that, then it will try to please you like a puppy and give you some potentially fake information. So that's the first thing to be aware of. If, if AI tells you something, go and double check that. The second thing with AI is to be, go ahead. So I was, so when you say is the BARD, so BARD is connected to the Google search mm-hmm. engine, yeah. but that GPT is not. So is, is that make BARD a little bit better or? Oh, no. no. BARD <laughs> will make something up just to please you. I mean, that's how it really feels. I've, I've called it a puppy. So Wow. Okay. <laughs> If you go in, my company's name is Codastack, and you say, tell me about Codastack, it will give you a list of my services and everything I want to be in the future, but I'm not today. And it will present that as though it were a factual truth. So that's a really good example of something I would normally go and go into Google and look up Codastack and then go and read the, the web page. Well, it reads the web page, but it embellishes. So that's a really good example of being careful to make sure that the information you're receiving is factual. 
So the AI world calls that hallucinations. I like to call it fabrications because AI will make things up. So that's, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's not a strong enough word for me. But if you get good at prompting, which is what they're calling the set my sandbox, then you can get some amazing things as a user out of AI. My favorite thing to do is with paid chat, chat GPT now, it'll give you Dolly 3 integration and Dolly is image generation. Okay. So you can you can iterate through and say, if you look at some of my LinkedIn posts, I've been doing this pretty regularly. You can say, I want an image of this with six people doing these three things with the text of XYZ above it, and it will give you an approximation. It may take four or five times to get the exact image you want. So you keep going and telling it, I want this, do this. And But it's amazing because I can't draw even a stick figure, but I can represent what I'm writing about pretty quickly with image generation. That's just another form of AI. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. I like, I'm just, I'm, yes, the uses of that is amazing. And with the image piece, I, I keep reading that so many other areas where ChatGPT just came out last week before, you may have noticed in the news, just since this is today, that ChatGPT's yeah. board ousted its CEO and one of the main board members. And they are now, over the weekend, this happened on Friday, I think, and over the weekend, they are now Microsoft employees. I so AI is, is just in this massive, I have no idea what it's going to mean to ChatGPT, but there's just a massive amount of change and growth going on as far as we as consumers or small businesses and what AI is going to mean to us, as well as the more traditional uses of AI and machine learning and things behind the scenes that consumers don't necessarily interact with. So securing AI, I know we want to go there. Go ahead, ask your question. No, just really quick. You're talking about images and that part of this is educating ourselves too. What's, is there going to be what's politically correct and what's not when it comes to writing? And I found mm -hmm. like a summary, okay? If I want to summarize uh, this podcast and I put a blah, blah, blah together I can, maybe it'll take a few different reiterations, but I'll get a nice summary out of it that I can tweak a little bit. But mm -hmm. I write for different platforms on Medium and one of my publications that I write for, he says one out of two, and these are already writers that have been approved, he will find one out of two came from uh, AI and yeah. you know, chat. And it's interesting now there are tools that you can do just like the plagiarism and do reverse, but it, it, it's making my mind go asunder. Are, are you even seeing more technology growing on combating what's real versus what's come out of AI? I haven't seen the technology so much other than one of the early things when ChatGPT came out, somebody tried to do that, but it proved to be not fully reliable. So if you were to accuse someone of plagiarism, that's a pretty strong strong charge. Right. I can tell you I'm messing with my mother on this. She was 30 years an English teacher. And so early iterations of some of the earlier versions of ChatGPT, I would ask it to write a sonnet and it was just awful. Like I couldn't get the, the sonnet is 16 lines of poetry. You have an Elizabethan, you have a Italian, there are different things. And so I would even define it of write me an Italian sonnet. And these are the things I want you to write about. And it just couldn't do it, but it, it's gotten better. And so through iteration, it can actually write a relatively decent sonnet. This is a couple months ago. 
I had it write one and then I tweaked it and I gave it to my mother. And I said, whose work is this? Because I spent, it took two minutes to write it with the prompt and everything. I spent an additional 10 minutes on it. And she said, if she hadn't known, she would have given it a very good grade. And that it made her angry that there's no way that this is my sonnet, even though I'm the one who set the parameters on it. ChatGPT output the text and then I made it more poetic. So I think that's going to be the modern business case use just to take it out of the school context of if you become a good prompt engineer and you become a good editor, you know, if you have the writing skills that we have and can take something, the middle piece where some of the thinking or the condensing or the categorization or the grouping that the AI model can do is going to still render enough to be our individual thought. But for the people who go into ChatGPT and merely do the prompt and don't go through and make sure everything is factual and also make it in their voice, I think that they'll get theirs coming later. You know, just because all the things we've said here with the hallucinations and also it's insipid writing. I don't know if you found that too, Sandy, that ChatGPT is not a good writer. It is not a good writer, but the one thing I have and I, I guess I'm, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm assuming it's AI that's helping. I'm noticing that Grammarly, I'm bringing back old stories that I wrote two years ago and they'll redo or they'll suggest I pay for Grammarly premium because I write and mm-hmm. something that came out perfectly with nothing, you know, two years ago now has all kinds of uh, recommended changes and some of them are pretty good. You know, I'll read them and say, okay, yeah, that that moving the placement of the words in the sentence, taking something out. Is this from AI that it's gotten so much better? Would you? Yeah, probably. I would guess that there's some element in there of the way it's trained itself and some AI in the traditional sense that was probably there in the beginning underneath the, the machine learning and things built on top of that. So, yeah, probably. I used AI recently um, to create prompts, journal prompts. Mm-hmm. We had to, um, we had three different audiences and I needed 60 prompts per audience and specific geared towards them. And, uh, it was kind of an interesting process to go through it because they generate us. You're right. They're not very, AI is not a very good writer because some of it was good. And then some of us like that, like, that's not good. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to reword some things and fix some things, but, um, it was interesting. And I'm just curious, like your mom going through that, like, how does she feel about the future of her class and the, the stuff that's going to be turned in? I think we're going to see a period of five maybe three to five years where there's going to be the ethical concern of thou shalt not touch AI for school. And then I think at some point we're going to have to say, but how can it advance what we do and still maintain the integrity of knowing how to write? A gazillion years ago, we all had to know how to farm. <laughs> I don't farm so well. Don't know about you. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's a hard thing though for my mom, who's now long retired, but to be able to see that this is the evolution of things, I think that AI will open up a whole lot of creative synthetic thought and need for that. 
because anything insipid will just be what the machine does, where we as humans have to evaluate what it means. We have some pretty big, hairy problems we need to solve as society and as the world. And I think that if AI can free up some of our more mundane work, that that will be a good thing. But this transition period, it's going to be hard. It's just, it's hard on us. We're trying to figure out how to leverage it for ourselves and for our businesses and also stay true to, you know, Sandy, you're a writer. You've, you've got to write and have it be Sandy. Right. And, yeah. And that's really I, where they miss is sometimes I'll see how they rephrase a sentence. And it's like, you know, maybe mine isn't the perfect, but that's how I speak. And that's yes. how I come out as a person. So I don't go and change every one. I tell you one out of two. Uh, I would think, okay, that's, I got, I, I tend to get wordy and it's like, I don't need those extra words or changing how it goes. So now, Heather, I'm really ready to hear about the cybersecurity part. You know, we're right. talking about all the helpful things, scare me a little bit. Tell well, us. I want to leave before I leave AI, cause there's a security piece to it. Okay. Everybody needs to play with it because of everything we've been talking about, but there is a definite need to do so security. OpenAI, the parent company of ChatGPT, has been breached before. So any data information you put into AI for summary or charts or what have you needs to be anonymous data. Something you don't want AI gossiping about you. You don't want whatever you put in there ending up in search results. That's happened where Google's Bard has had people share information they've put in there and then later that's ended up in search results. So be very careful about the information you put in AI. And that's really where we start the cybersecurity conversation of keeping private data private. So that practically, practically how do you do that? You know, so yeah. I sanitize. So if I've got, say, 600 records of employee data and information, and I want ChatGPT to do some analysis on that data, I would remove anything that would personally identify any of those people before okay. putting that data in there. Okay. There are plugins with ChatGPT and the paid model, which is version four, that you can have that will do exactly those sorts of things. So okay. Yeah. thank you. that's probably where we start. Where we look at us as small business owners, as freelancers, as people who work in small businesses, all the way on up through large businesses, there are things we can do as human beings to care at the right level about cybersecurity, which is somewhere between fear and vigilance. It's just a little bit closer to fear, but not leaning into it, because that's how we remind ourselves we have to do some pretty mundane things. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I've, I've tried to get that right image out of a chat GPT and Dally that shows that space between fear and vigilance, but I don't have it yet. Okay. So those things we need to do, I've got a very short video series. Each of the videos is under three minutes long. And I did it earlier this year, just really to address for people who may not receive regular training in their work. And those things will cover things such as long, strong passwords and why they matter. Multi-factor authentication, which is essentially a superpower, even though it's not necessarily a very fun thing to do. Every single account you have should have multi-factor authentication because that will be what saves you. Okay. Then, okay. yes, you know what I'm talking about with that, or should I talk a little bit for your for your watchers and re and listeners as to what multi-factor authentication is? I think talk I, a little bit just because yeah, I tell you. Most of the time people will say that is a pain in my butt. I don't want that because that's a lot of work. That's, you know, back to the mm -hmm. 
need your and it is so worth it because every time you see or have to do that extra bit of step anybody who might come across your credentials would not be able to pass that point there are very very extenuating circumstances where people cyber criminal gangs could find a way around that i don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about that because it's not practical for what we're doing what is practical for what we're doing is we set a username and password, we take good care of those things, we protect them, they're private. If perchance they become public, then this other bit of a pain, as we say, whether you get a text from the provider on your phone or whether you have an actual app where you get that one-time password or six-digit code, every time you look at that, you can say, I'm a little bit safer or whatever mantra you might need because that is truly what secures you in the modern age. Nice, okay. Yeah. And if you want to go all the way, there are companies working on passwordless ways to authenticate. One such is a little device called a YubiKey from the company Yubico. You can plug that into a USB thing on your device, and then it'll do that MFA for you. It's called hardware multi-factor authentication, and you don't have to worry about the one-time passwords. It's relatively inexpensive. Not all sites will support that, but for people who truly find it to be a pain, that'd probably be a pretty good investment. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Next That's good so thing. Interesting. So ahead. interesting. And I love that that people are creating tools to make it easier to be safer. I mean, that's yes. that's awesome. Yes, it is. So another way, if if you're like me, I've been online since 1992. So in the early, early days when everything was just text-based and we didn't have all the pictures because our connections wouldn't support them. So I've been doing this and, and working online, a lot of playing games since I was in college, but going back that whole history and then following that into what we're doing now, I have a gazillion and 12 accounts. And so I can't possibly remember all the passwords or keep them current or make sure they're strong or all those things. So I use a password manager. So it's a program. I. Yeah. I recommend one called OnePass because as you might imagine, these password managers, they are heavy targets for cyber criminals because if you can get a hold of password manager and like LastPass around a year ago, it was one of the really big vendors. Somebody took some of their vaults and I won't go into too much detail on that. You can find that all on the internet if you want to do some searching, but I've been very pleased with one password, what I switched to and I've had for the last year and it's really user-friendly for essentially regular people. And it will generate passwords for you so that only sites you have to manually log into, like at an, a public computer or something like that. I taught at a community college last semester, and I had to log into their things. And instead of looking up my password all the time, I went ahead and made a phrase I could remember. But for the most part, if you use a password manager, you don't have to know your passwords. You can use your phone and you can use a browser extension, et cetera, off any of the major browsers and they'll just do the login for you. And so that's one of the videos I've gotten, something I find very important. So you're nodding along with me, Sandy. That's good. Yes. I, my husband is uh, IT and yep. he, not only do we have, uh, we use something called Keeper, um, but <laughs> he has... He has my mom and, you know, my, he's made sure that other family members are in that. Um, mm -hmm. And even for sharing a passwords if something were to happen. So there's yep. different things that he's done within our family vault, but uh, he gets credit, not me, Heather. I follow along yep. and say, yes. 
I think Keeper is amazing. I'm not sure it's going to be mainstream enough for quite everybody to adopt. And so that's where the one password with, I've got a couple teenagers in the house and the husband and, and, you know, just trying to make sure we have something that I can recommend to and know really well when I go and talk with clients. So we've covered those things, passwords, authentication, multi-factor authentication. I want to make sure that all devices have an anti-malware software running on them. We used to call it antivirus because that's deeply important so that it will catch things it recognizes. And if you do happen to click on a link that you probably shouldn't have, for the most part, if you've got that up to date and it's running and you've got a really good robust version of that, it will catch a lot of things. And from there, I want to lean into something I'm going to spend a little time on, depending on how much time we have left. We've all got to seriously be on the lookout for all types of fraud coming from the computer, coming into our phones by text message and also by voicemail, because fraud's gotten a whole lot easier with AI. You've probably mm -hmm. seen that in the news with deep fakes, voice cloning, also with all those things they used to tell us, oh, you get an email, it's got a bunch of misspellings in it, it's got this, you can find that, that's going to be from something, those are gone. ChatGPT can have a native Russian speaker write an English email that does exactly what you would expect it to look like. And unless our people are vigilant, again, that space just beyond vigilant, maybe a tiny bit into fear, then we're not going to be ready to combat the fraud of the future and the fraud of today. So a lot of the training I like to do is based on what are we seeing? How do we combat it? How do we pause long enough to say, hmm, that's fake? And yeah. I just want to throw in here, we, we all talk about this and I'm one of those people that thought, oh yeah, we need to look out for it. But you know, that's them and not me. I have a friend uh, here in Durango that is a small business owner. She has a sign company. So she has an Instagram, she has a Facebook and she does a lot of business and she didn't even realize how much business, but you know, they've got all of her contacts and they talk to each other and they took over her Facebook account and Instagram account. And I'm a chamber diplomat with her. We both do volunteer work, but I know her well enough. We paddleboard together. I mean, we are friends. They, they being the people that took over her account, started sending messages to me and other people that know her well. And I literally was on vacation thinking, ooh, she's selling cryptocurrency. I mean, I was 100% never even crossed my mind it wasn't her. I checked, she told me and another person that's friends at the same time. And both of us, we 100% thought it was her. That was three months ago. She still doesn't have her account back and they're yeah. still contacting people. And it's been an absolute nightmare because how do you get the word out when somebody took over all your contacts? So I would tell you this conversation really hit home to me because it has pained her, her clients, her reputation, in so many ways and something that we all thought that's them and not me. Yeah. And we all believed it to be her. Well, they borrowed her credibility. Yeah. And you have no She's... reason to believe that's not her until you do. So how many people are out there that still think she's trying to sell them crypto and not signs. And, you know, some people actually transferred money, right. Thinking, yeah. okay, yeah. but it, it's been a horrible story. So what do we need to do to protect us from, you know, I think with her, you know, she's done things now, but probably, uh, you know, again, Facebook, Instagram, mm -hmm. probably a simple password. I mean, how, 
multi-factor authentication on all your social all of your we're right back to that all of anything that touches money if it's offered make sure that those are the first ones you secure and if you're like me and you've got 400 different accounts the way to audit all that is to go through and say where are my social media where do i go often and where are my financial accounts and hit those first and everything else is another level of iteration that's not as urgent and heather might sound like very simplistic question. <laughs> Let's say Facebook. Yeah. Do I go to Facebook and I go into my settings and say, turn it yes. on? Yes, that's exactly right. And that's a good, good point because multi-factor authentication, there are very few sites that force you to use it. I think this will change in the next couple of years because it is such an important thing. And I suspect there'll be some legal action against companies if they don't force it. So. Salesforce forces it. We work with Salesforce and, and the client's the employees complain like you wouldn't believe because they don't want to do it. And it makes it really easy for us as the third party vendors that help them to say it's not a choice. So yeah, yeah. no controversy. I personally love it. That's when I worked, I worked with a, a tech company and they had a platform that required multi-factor authentication and the CEO was so irritated by it and the tech person, she was like, you know what, just do it. We are not, we are doing it. We have to do it. It needs to be there. So, but it was kind of funny. This whole push of the scene is like, where are we doing this? This is so, and, but she was right. Um, but speaking of that tech company, it was an interesting, when I worked with them, I would get, um, they had this platform where they were constantly doing training on cybersecurity. And so we would get points if we watched videos or whatever. But what they were also doing is sending random things to us. And we would not know, like if you um, clicked it or whatever it was, it would say, you did that. Like it would say, you're busted. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then you would get points taken away. And it was kind of a gamification of cybersecurity. There are a lot of platforms out there that do this, and it's usually mid-sized businesses on up yeah. that have what they're calling security awareness training, which is in effect what I do. That's the first level of it where you've got training videos that tend to keep them short. Sometimes they're campy, sometimes they're entertaining. And then the phishing simulations is what you're describing mm -hmm. there. And if those are done well, they can be fantastically educational. Mm -hmm. If they're done poorly, they can leave you feeling terrible because if you're not vigilant, if you're not past that level of vigilance, everybody clicks at some point. It's how do we handle that and how do we train above that so that we are less likely to click and more likely to pause and stop and say, that's a phishing email and then report it. Yeah. Because I think that some of the platforms do that really well. They give you the opportunity to measure the very thing that's so important, which is, hey, who's noticing, who's reporting and who, instead of clicking so that nobody gets on the sad face list because right, you don't right. want your employees on a sad face list. They feel terrible. Well, one of the things I remember learning through that was you never reply to a phishing email. Like it, it, I know we all know not to click the link, but you never mm -hmm. like hit reply, you know, take me off your list or whatever. Like mm -hmm. don't, don't initiate any kind of conversation because then they know that they've got a real yes, person. Yes, a real person. And yeah. also that unsubscribe link on the bottom could be the very thing they want you to click. Oh, ooh, never thought yes. of that. Okay. That's the thing that takes you to the malware that infects your computer so that once you're infected, they've got a way in. 
So mm -hmm. yeah, I think future focused, we, the humans are going to be what's hacked more, more frequently, which is why I've built my business is to try to help us have a, le a level of defense beyond just what you just described there. That's a fantastic first level. But for a company to be effective with human security, there's got to be additional training and engagement and conversation. Again, we can just start with why is MFA so important? What does it give me? And how can I reframe the way I look at it to be, okay, now I'm more secure and I can feel more secure because I am taking this intentional action. So Heather, we're getting a little short on time here. And I want to make sure you talked about your videos. You talked about LinkedIn. Yes. Where, where can people find you? Where, where, get, give us your handles or links, please. Okay. I'm going to dig in. You're secure. LinkedIn. You're secure. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, I've got that. I've got heathernoggle.com. That'll be a nice way to point to my videos. They're also on YouTube. And then Codistac, C-O-D-I-S-T-A-C.com is my business website. And I've got pages for that business website on LinkedIn, as well as my LinkedIn personal profile, where I write every day about usually about either entrepreneurship or cybersecurity or where they intersect and trying to bring current information as well as these tried and two practices. And we covered most of them, but not quite all because we do have a short period of time, but that, that's how you find me and happy to have a conversation. I will tell you, I, I met Heather when I was down in Springfield for an event and I was speaking at the event and you were interviewing for the podcast or for the live feed. I can't remember. And, uh, I, I have been following you on LinkedIn since, and you put out such good information that I learned something probably every time I read it, which, so uh, thank you for that. I think you're, you're doing such a good work here and, um, yeah. Thanks for joining us. It's been Thank you really for having lovely. me. Lots of battery. I can't wait to get into the videos. So many great tidbits of exactly what we want to do is educate people in how they as a person can do something to protect themselves, promote a, a, a help something or hinder something that's an issue, right? What can we yeah. do? So I've got my notes on several takeaways. So I've got this. Yes. Excellent. Very good. Thank All you, right. ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.